Guess who? And guess what? Footy Prime is launching a gin, and we're having a party to celebrate. Thursday, June 6th, join the whole FP crew for Footy Prime's one-night stand at Nickel Nine Distillery in Toronto. Come celebrate Footy Prime's one-ball gin with Nickel Nine Distillery mixologists on hand, Charmin's proper pies, meet and greet and photo ops with your favorite primers, and a live Atska's Almost Anything podcast. Footy Prime's one-night stand, June 6th at 7 p.m. till when we kick you out. Tickets at eventbrite.ca. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to FP Interviews, in-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hey, Footy Primers, this is Wonger speaking. Last week, we had a great chat with Calvary FC keeper and cancer survivor Marco Carducci. A testicular cancer diagnosis in preseason turned his world on its head, but three months later, he was back between the sticks for the Cavs. Marco was so candid talking about his experience with a fellow member of the One Ball Club, Craig Forrest, our friend, and it's such a great men's health conversation. We want to make sure you heard it in its entirety. So here's this week's interview with Marco Carducci. James Shaman, Dan Wong, Jimmy Brennan, Craig Forrest here as per usual. Today it's about more such than the news, but I think it's a really important show. Over the weekend in the Canadian Premier League, Cavalry beat Pacific 2-0 in Calgary's home opener. A good result and a much needed win. However, far beyond all that, something far more important than wins and clean sheets. Cavalry goalkeeper Monica Caducci returned to the pitch less than three months after being diagnosed with testicular cancer. Yeah, less than three months. It's an incredible story, an incredible comeback. And Marco joins Footy Prime today. Marco, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. As I always say, you say that now. It's great to have a fellow one nut on here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, Craig. (laughs) Only some people can say that, right? We found each other. There's not many of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We did. We found, we each, found other. each other. Exactly. I think it's a bit like um, that that Seinfeld episode when the dentist becomes Jewish to make Jewish jokes, <laughs> right? Yes. Craig feels comfortable. No one else can say these things, but Craig can say it. Um, Marco, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, you dropped to your knees at the final whistle on the weekend. Uh, your gaffer, Tommy Wilton Jr., was all choked up post-match. How emotional was that 90 minutes for you? It's funny because um, it didn't feel too emotional until the last couple of minutes of the match. Um, obviously, being out there, home opener, as you mentioned, obviously it was a great atmosphere and was just excited to be back in the lineup. But so focused on the on the process, the business end of it, right? Just just getting through the game and ultimately just trying to perform well first and foremost, right? 
Um, but I, I think I said it earlier, it was, it was strange. I, I looked up at the clock, saw we had 90 and realized, okay, we've won this game. And then I got choked up a little bit. Uh, a couple minutes passed. I'm thinking, okay, there's maybe 30 seconds left before the referee blows the final whistle. And I felt it again, even more. I, I joked with some of my center backs. I, I was just like shouting for them to stay and just in a good position. Cause I was like, we're going to win and we're going to have a clean sheet. And that actually, that's where I felt it most, right. Where I was like, Oh man, I didn't see that coming, but um, that was kind of the way the, the emotions hit me. Let, let's rewind here a bit. Early in February, everything's normal, right? Yeah. You're getting set for for a new season. What was the timeline from that point onwards to the diagnosis? So yeah, everything's normal. Um, we're now in, let's call it beginning of February, where preseason's starting to ramp up, obviously during the off season, uh, you know, still training a bit, but like spending a lot of time in the gym and feeling great, by the way. I, I remember having a good conversation with my dad saying, I feel very good. I'm excited for this year. It's going to be, you know, a proper season. The first one we've had since 2019. Um, and I was just like, you know, I was excited to say, let's go out there and kill it and, and see what happens. Um, we start preseason. And at this point I had noticed, you know, I'm starting to feel something's a bit different down there. And Craig as you can probably allude to it's, it's a weird one because I'm thinking, okay, well, something's going on, but I'm not too sure. Uh, time passes where like I felt a bit of an ache and then it kind of went and you know, an important thing is to check yourself out. So I'm feeling around down there and you know, you notice something feels a bit different, but of course my mind goes not to the worst case scenario right away. Uh, and then thankfully timing worked out well that, um, we had our just typical preseason medicals. So I'm in the doctor's office doing the, the usual stuff. Uh, and then, you know, our, our team doc just asks, is anything else you want to maybe talk about? And I said, sure, can you check this for me? So after he checked it out, we go do an ultrasound about a week and a half later. So within three weeks from really three or four weeks, let's say, within starting to noticing something to then getting the doctor to check out him, you know, getting me into for an ultrasound literally a week later, which again, I, it is insane. It's different. We're, we're in a different category as footballers, right? We just getting all this medical attention uh, immediately. Uh, but go get an ultrasound on, on the, on the Tuesday, uh, on the Wednesday, I get results saying I got called into the doctor's office. No, no doctor ever calls you to say, Hey, can you come into the office as soon as possible with good news? So to be honest, I uh, shit myself a little bit then, but I was like, well, still might not be the worst case. Scenario. I'm at training by the way, at this point. So I'm feeling great. I'm feeling strong. Uh, we're just ramping up. Like I said, we're about a week and a half into preseason and I'm feeling fantastic. Uh, and then you get that call. So I go in, obviously I haven't really told anybody at this point and the doctor sits me down. And again, I, I'll say this a million times. He was fantastic. Our, our, phys, our team physician, Dr. Robinson, just dealing with a situation like that. Right. And his day to day is like, Hey, you know, a guy rolled his ankle, let's check it out his knee or, you know, injuries like that, but certainly not cancer. But, um, you know, he sat me down, explained what was going on, gave me a very clear pathway, which was, I've spoken to someone, I've spoken to urologists at the hospital, go there right now, uh, go directly to the ER, they'll get you in as soon as possible and you're going to have to get surgery. You're going to have to get it removed and that's it. Uh, I went into autopilot at this point, right? I'm just like, okay, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. Um, you don't really get a chance to process those feelings because I was just thinking, let's get this dealt with. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to put that again into perspective, the ultrasound was Tuesday, Wednesday I get the call, Wednesday night I'm in ER, and Thursday night, I've had surgery done. And Friday morning, I'm uh, getting a ride home and walking out of the hospital. 
So it was a bit of a whirlwind, to say the least. How was your family, Marco, around it, and how did they react to it? Yeah, it was tough, of course. <laughs> I joked about this because, you know, it's not, I'm very close to my parents, I'm very close to my family, but certainly not a, a dinner table conversation where you say, hey, I started to notice a feeling in, in one of my testicles, and then, you know, I'm going to go get it checked out. Like, you just don't, you don't say that. <laughs> so, I feel a bit bad to you this. Don't, you don't know my family, Marco. It's like, we're some, throwing them on the table. Some people, <laughs> some, people, some people might talk about it, but listen, I'm, you know, the other thing I'll add is I'm, a, I'm an Italian boy. I got a typical Italian mother that's constantly, hey, have you eaten? Are you good? How's everything? So she's texting me uh, the night I'm at the hospital saying, how's your day? You know, what are you guys up to tonight? Um and I'm thinking, oh shit, like I'm at the hospital. Um, I, you know, I, it was tough, right? So I kind of explained what was going on and I, and I, and I let, you know, them know. Of course, it hits anybody like a train. Um, but yeah, I mean, my mom is in medicine. So she was able to at least, you know, right away she goes, what have they done? Have they done these tests? Are they good? Are they going to get you in surgery? What's going on? So that was helpful that she could kind of process it a bit more. Um, but yeah, it was still it was still difficult, right? I mean, the only person who really knew was was my girlfriend, right? Obviously, I had these conversations with her, um, but even with her, I, I've the conversation was like, "Hey, where are you? You should be home from training by now." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, detour tonight." You know what I mean? So those those conversations were tough, but it was difficult on them. But um, I mean, listen, they they supported me through it, um, and honestly. It was massive. It was massively helpful that they were just able to, to just to just to be there. And and again, the process happened so quickly that I'm sure even to this day they're still thinking about how how to process the whole thing. Did you know Marco much about it? Did you know about testicular cancer? Did you know were you aware of other people that have had it? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, Craig, because I think we, I think I did, you know, and I. I've, I've said this too. I was lucky for whatever reason. I'd always been at least conscious about it, like to, to check myself out and to see. So obviously I'm grateful for that because I did get on it relatively quickly. Um, but not directly. Yeah. Right. Too. Yeah. Not, not, not directly. Right. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy can't keep his hands off. It's nuts. <laughs> I think I've got three. <laughs> Give one to Greg. Marco doesn't need it. Yeah. Marco, he doesn't want to get. It's just like hey, he's got to get I'll used to that. Between, between Marco and Stacks, I'll go to the highest bidder. <laughs> I, feel, I feel better without it, to be honest. So right now, you feel lighter. You look, you look more agile. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Marco. You know. You know when you. When you look at uh, footballers in the dressing room, you know, and there's there's sometimes, you know, guys have have issues or certain things and uh, we, we never tend to open up and we don't talk about it. Um, do you find yourself now uh, being a bit of a leader because of obviously what's happened to you and more or less saying to guys like, guys, forget about this, you know, keeping things to yourself. If you have an issue, you've got to go get checked right away. Yeah, 100%. You couldn't, uh, I mean, you couldn't say it better myself. I think... The, the biggest learning point from it all uh, was exactly that. It was like being okay with being vulnerable. Like we are terrible at it as men, especially athletes, oh, especially yeah. footballers. No one wants to say, you know, whether it's physical health, mental health, it doesn't matter. No one wants to feel vulnerable or insecure. Um, I certainly didn't. Uh, but this doesn't give you a choice, right? It doesn't give you a choice to say, yeah. how do I feel about this? So, yeah, Jimmy, 100%. I mean, now at this point, I'm... I think being open about it and being vulnerable with it is helpful because uh, 
it's a sensitive thing to talk about and it's not easy, but I think, uh, like I said, footballers in particular, like no one, no one goes in and says, Hey, but you know, guys, I'm, I'm having a tough week. Can you guys help me out? It, it, it's not yeah no. like the stigma is still there and, and i think I, yeah. hopefully with stories like mine and, and now taking a role in that is that maybe i can affect that change a little bit right make that a bit more normal because ultimately Absolutely. It, it was it was important for me um and it's certainly i'm not the only one who's going to have this kind of thing happen to them right although in craig's story craig's story is he was comparing lumps with trevor sinclair in the room. So some rooms, I guess, are tighter than others. <laughs> yeah, Trevor Trevor had a, a lump on his nut and he had had a scan uh, a, a day or so before. Uh, and I was going that, that particular day. Mm-hmm. So he was actually just getting a massage on the treatment bench. So we ended up comparing lumps. Whatever works, right? I mean, listen, if a conversation, maybe a conversation is a good place to start, but then lump comparisons. Are- <laughs> well, that, we had Talk a conversation. Stacks. Did, you, did you end up feeling his lump? He <laughs> did. I, I tell you what, decent package on him. Oh God, I <laughs> hey, Marco, so, I mean, as, as, as I try and, you know, deviate away from this pathway, <laughs> but I mean, at what point did you tell your teammates, you know, obviously they, they knew something was up, I'm assuming, they knew you'd gone for tests, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, but at what point do you say, okay, guys, you know, I'm going to miss the next few months? Uh, they didn't know anything until I'd missed, so again, you know, I, I was at training on the Wednesday. I'd missed training Thursday, not naturally I'm at the hospital waiting to get into surgery and I missed training Friday. And as, as we all know, missing a day of training guys go, Oh, something's up, whatever. Missing two days of training. We're still in that COVID era, of course, but that's completely normal now. Right. I mean, early on in it, I remember there were times where guys would be like, Oh, maybe it's COVID. And it's like, we're whispering about it. Now it's like, if someone tests positive, you test positive and you say, I'm, I'm isolating for a few days. That's it. So I started getting messages from the boys, right, saying because only at this point only the medical staff and the coaching staff are aware of what's going on. Um, so I think it was that early the next week. So I think relatively quickly. Naturally, I, I, it was hard for me to be like, "Yeah, boys, guess what's going on?" Right? Like, let me tell you what's why I haven't been at training. But knowing, like, if it weren't me, I'd be like, "Where the hell is he?" Like, a couple of days of training, like what's going on here and especially with all the hush hush around it i knew it was difficult so i think by monday or tuesday the next week i i was i was recovering at home but i got on a on a zoom call with the team and just said hey um this is what's going on and because again it was really really under under the wraps and it was what what i needed at the time for sure so i appreciate the coaching staff and the medical staff to keep something like that like a bombshell like that so (laughs) undercover um, and then when the time was right, I spoke to the boys and that was actually really important for me too. I was going to ask you, Marco, you talked about mental health and, uh, a lot of us played sports and Jimmy and, and Craig at a really high level, that, that place where you are hurt or ill, or, you know, you're up and down and it's, it, what was the toughest part for you and how did you navigate through it mentally? It's a great question. I think. I think it was the uncertainty, right? It was the not knowing. And I struggle with that all the time. It's, you know, I think, well, I think most of us do, right? We, we want to know what's happening. We want to know what's going on. Especially as an athlete, we live in a, in a field that's full of uncertainty. You don't know your next contract. You don't know if you're going to start on the next week. All these things. 
as I sat there and kind of processing everything, you know, now looking back, I'm, <laughs> I feel a bit ridiculous. But in the moment, I was like, am I going to play again? Like, what's happening? And I mean, Craig, maybe you can allude to that. I, I was just scared. I didn't know. I felt uncertain. And I was uh, just putting my trust in to other people to say, what's going on? What's going to happen? Am I going to feel all right? Um, I'm 25. I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, or form ready to have children. But I thought, can I have kids? Right? That's a question that I'm sitting there thinking, now what? Yeah. Right? So that was the hardest part. That was the hardest part for sure. Um, thankfully, you know, it's like one of those ones where it's like, okay, take a deep breath and just relax and you'll get those answers and things will kind of progress. But uh, the uncertainty of like what was going to happen, what was going to happen for my career, um, never mind my career, my health in general, what, is, what are things going to look like? Will I need more treatment? Will I need chemo? Will I need all – has there been spread? I didn't know um, for a little while. And those – three, four hours of saying, Hey, you have cancer. Um, and then not knowing if it had spread or what the next steps are felt like an eternity. So that was definitely the hardest part. Um, thankfully I did get answers pretty quickly, but just sitting there not knowing was tough. Waiting for results is always a tough thing. Right. Yeah. And now, and now, um, and this is a new normal and, and, you know, Craig, this is something I think we, we even spoke about privately was, you know, now I'm getting blood blood work done every three months. I'm getting some follow up testing, which is just the process, right? I'm, I'm no different than anybody and, else. And you got to get your boys and girls in the fridge. I might. I Craig has some. I might. La- I might the, well, yeah. As of right now, no. As of right now, no. They they basically. Yeah, because you did, you haven't had chemo, no, correct? No, you haven't. That's right. Had, I've no. just had the I surgery. Di- I, I did. Okay. So the reason why I uh, had to put the boys and girls in a jar because of the chemo yeah it's because of the poten- potential mm. so okay so yeah. shooting blanks later on but you're okay you're, you'll be okay uh, yeah you'll be and fine. that's what i've been told right there go if you got one healthy one then you're good to go my friend and i said all right well <laughs> yeah, <say the> word. <laughs> but, you'll, you'll just try harder <laughs> yeah but it's uh <laughs> it's not something you ever think about right and and um yeah again that that like uncertainty and the, the new normal but I was told, I was like, listen, as long as everything else looks good, as long as you're healthy from this point on and we'll continue to monitor, then, then you're all right. So that's fine. But again, you know, getting, getting checkups just earlier this week, I had another checkup, just an ultrasound to, to check up another area that they were questioning. Everything looks good, good, happy days. But every single time you go into those appointments, every single time you're poking and prodding and take some more blood out, it's just one of those ones where you're like, fingers crossed, right? That, that is good news. And, and thankfully, so far, so good. I'm lucky we got on it so quickly. I'm lucky I'm in the incredible hands, but that's uh, that's certainly uh, a new part of my life that I have to get used to. I can imagine how hard that must be. It's just so common. I mean, uh, most people, I mean, I was surrounded by it. I mean, the first time I even heard about it was when Jason Cundy was at Ipswich Town and he had it. Um, and then after that, went to West Ham. And since 2000, there's been three West Ham players have it. Myself, John Hartson. And uh, and Tom Beatty's the young lad who actually passed away of it at yeah. 20 years of age. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's other players, uh, Gutierrez, uh, Newcastle, uh, Stubbs, Everton. Yeah. So yeah. Just people that we know, you know, in Canada, Tom Green, the actor, yeah, 
comedian guy. So it's it's pretty, it's more common than uh, than we know yeah. uh, that most people know. So it's very important, and I, I really thank you, Mark Oda, because uh, talking about it can you know obviously be incredible helpful for everybody else too, and uh, being lighthearted about it obviously helps as well, yeah. and it certainly uh, uh, helps your family, it helps with your friends, your teammates, and everything else. And it takes a while. It, I think it took me a little longer to. Uh, before I was able to really comfortably talk about it, it's uh, it's good you're doing it. Did you find Craig? Did you find that the humor helped you though? I don't like just taking it and stri- I, it's certainly not easy. The first time someone joked about me having one ball, I was like, "Okay, hey, a little too soon." But uh, <laughs> but but also like you have to take it in stride, right? I mean, I think as a quick little story, it was funny. I was visiting my my teammate Mason Trafford, who, who were super close, and this was after, and I was recovering and and doing well at this point. But I think I let it slip just like casually. I said something like, you know, you have to have the balls to do that or something like that. <laughs> and everyone kind of like uneasily looks at me and is like, can we laugh? Can we laugh? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I heard it. I heard it. I said balls. Like, it's, uh, you know, so it's just one of those ones where I was like, oh, fuck, every single time I hear one of these, I'm going to have to be like, here we go. Marco, was it then a case of walking on eggshells for your teammates at first until one idiot says something and then it's a bit uncomfortable, but then it's a case of, you know what? Gloves are off. The sun guys go too far. And now it's almost that the novelty's worn off and you just, you're Marco again. Yeah, I think so. I think so, James. I mean, I think when I had the first conversation with everybody, again, it was over zoom. This was a weird one, but I was like, Hey, I'm at home, but I want to tell you guys this before. And the boys were actually, actually about to take off for a preseason trip. And I, I went into training at this point, I'm still recovering from the surgery. So I think that was a big one. Just actually going in and physically being there, and everyone kind of saw me and were like, "Hey, you look, you look good." Yeah, I was, it was I wore a nice pair of jeans. And I was like, "Boys, I'm fine, right? Like, I'm looking all right." I was walking a bit gingerly, and I think at that point they were like, "Okay, he's back, right?" Like, I was trying to impress the guys a little bit, but no. But I think I think it was one of those. I think it was one of those ones where yeah. as soon as they saw me and they're like, "Okay, you're in and around," and then they were gone for a preseason trip. They came back at this point. Now I'm actually in the gym doing a little bit like very, very slowly. Right. But doing a bit of work on my rehab. And I think once they realized they're like, no, no, he's here. He is. He's good. He's ready to go. I think, uh, at that point, gloves were off. It was like Marco's back. You know, it's, uh, he's just not training yet, but as soon as I'm training, like, uh, we were back into normal pretty quickly, which helped me, yeah. right? which helped me too. I didn't want to be. I didn't yeah. want to feel like I was going to get treated any differently either. So, the, the first one I heard was when we were at the airport when Jason Cundy had it, and uh, player uh, Adam Tanner at Ipswich Town said we were at the airport, and he's like, "Don't mention terminal or." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. pretty dark. That's terrible. <laughs> the, the, Craig, the best ones I've had, not nearly as dark as that, but. Um, the first yeah. couple times, the first couple of days, I was back in with the goalkeepers. Obviously, as, as part of the rehab, it was you know my own stuff, and then I got to work in with the keepers a bit, but it was quite controlled and all that. And uh, one of the guys uh, took one in the nuts, and he's laying there. He's going ah, typically it happens, right? And he's going there. He's like, and he's going ah, and I said. Like, I was like, you think you're allowed to complain? I can't remember what I said. Exactly. I go, yeah, it must be nice, right? Like, <laughs> but it's just like any any time anyone complains again like, the balls or something like that, I'm like, I'm like balls, yeah, yeah. Um, must hurt. That must be painful, right? <laughs> you know? So it's just one of those ones you got you got to enjoy it. But certainly nothing as dark as yours. 
<laughs> I think a lot of guys, um, you know, that they avoid the, the, the self-examination. They fear what a procedure might entail. And Craig's really been quite graphic in, you know, what that procedure entailed for him and how obviously, obviously it's worthwhile. What was your procedure? The same, like Craig, they went through the ear or something, went down <laughs> through some veins and they pulled it out through his ear yeah. or his eye socket or something weird. <laughs> my, uh, my procedure... <laughs> Is what what I believe they now call an inguinal orchiectomy, which means they cut me open um, right around my pelvis. So they actually kind of go in and pluck it. So I'm no doctor. I'm not sure I understand this completely. But where, as men, our balls actually drop out from, those spots basically stay open for the rest of the time, which explains why guys get hernias there, because there's, an, there's just an empty space where it can happen. Now they slice me open. Um, go in through there and then kind of pluck it and pull it out. Um, I think that procedure now means I can grab the whole thing and it's a bit less invasive rather than going, you would think they'd go up from the sack instead, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah. At least that was like, okay, interesting. So anyway, I had no idea. I I didn't even ask. Yeah. I said, did you ask before uh, he explained it to me? The the urologist was like, this is what we're going to do. And I was like, honestly, just do it. Yeah. This, again, at this point, I'm like, I don't care. You could have told yeah. you could have done what James explained. You could have been like, we're going to go through the year. And I would have been like, cool. Interesting. But you know, like Marco, where is it? Where is this ball? Yeah. Great. That's, Craig's, that's, we don't know that's where Craig's question. is. Where's yours? That's a great Craig question. Also, can I have it back now? Yeah, no, I got a call from my and, surgeon and he goes, uh, again, at this point, it's still a bit touchy, right? Cause they're, they're giving me the results, the pathology results about like what they're seeing in terms of the tumor. Um, I should have asked. I didn't. You know, they're like, this is it. This is what we expected. It was pretty, pretty common. They said pretty standard. Um, and I didn't ask. I'm like, I don't know. Did you do burn it? Like, what? Well, I don't know. Do they just like, do they have like it in a freezer? Is are they testing on it now? I, I, have, no, I have no clue. I, I, think, I, didn't I, ask. I think Craig's, I Craig's went to a grade 10 biology class. <laughs> yeah. It's good for science, they for learning. it all up. Yeah. No idea. Well, the West Ham Museum. Well, let's see. Yeah. But honestly, in terms, yeah. in terms of the recovery from the surgery, again, it's just, it's just that little cut. So, I mean, it's obviously it's quite invasive. Um, the biggest risk was, as I mentioned, um, an, 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 you know, an increased risk for a hernia there because they've obviously just cut you open, gone in through there. Um, but once that healed, that was it, right? That was the thing. It was like, I wasn't rehabbing a knee or uh, a muscle injury. It was like, yeah. I felt otherwise my body, I was like, I feel great. Otherwise it's just, I just got cut open. Yeah. Plucked out one of my yeah. nuts. And Very I'm, much like a hernia surgery, really. Yeah. A yeah. Exactly. Hernia yeah surgery. What's funny is yeah. um, one of the boys on the team had this, uh, the surgery last year or during the off season for a hernia. And we have the exact same cut. Yeah. I was like, hey, look, we're matching. Look at our little, just different different <laughs> outcome. But yeah, we have, we have uh, twinsies on the scars now. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, Marco, you're, you're a young professional athlete, right? Uh, I'm assuming your life's great. It was great before this. I mean, d- has this changed you? This is a bit of a cliche question now. I apologize. But do you are, are you different now than, than you were three months ago? I think, it, I mean, it certainly shifts your perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. again hearing the word hearing cancer shifts anybody's perspective and, and kind of dealing with that I think in all I've always tried to be this type of person I think I've there's, there's silver linings I've learned so much I've grown so much I've had to um, Jimmy you, you'd asked about being a leader in the locker room and, and, and having those conversations it, for sure and, I, and that's forced me to grow in a way where I'm like I need to have these conversations because I almost feel like a duty to, to and a responsibility in a way to have that. But um, 
I actually posted something on my Instagram the other day and I felt kind of fluffy about it, but I also meant it. I was like, I'm playing again. I'm back. Uh, three months ago, I was told I had testicular cancer and I have surgery and I was, I, I was really uncertain, but I was like, man, I just get to enjoy every day. I got to play football. I got to go out there. I'm, we're in Edmonton right now. Not the most lovely place to be, but get to play a game tomorrow night in front of, you know, fans and get paid to do this. That perspective has changed a lot for me. So, all the Edmonton fans who feel feel sorry for you until you just said that. Now they're going to give it. To you. <laughs> you know, what was, you know, what was a really special uh, on that. Real quick was uh, our first game. Our first game was away in Ottawa, and I, I wasn't playing, um, but I was on the bench and got to start to hear my name in the crowd. And I'm thinking, are they like, what do they do? Like, they kind of sticking it to me, and they're actually giving me a round of applause. And I just thought, you know, it was a really special moment. The uh, the Ottawa supporters and um, yeah, they were they were you know cheering me on and, and giving me a round of applause. But I think the the short answer is it's just it just taught me to enjoy every every step, every moment, whether it's my football career, whether it's you know my relationships, life, personal, what everything. It's just nothing's guaranteed, right? So you have to enjoy it as you go. That's been a blessing in disguise. Well, you know, we talk about the CPL finding its footing um, in sport in Canada, and that's always on the field and and where it lies in in the world of sports in Canada. But now we're seeing people like yourself becoming sporting leaders, you know, beyond the pitch. And I think that's really, from a selfish standpoint, it's really important for the CPL as well. So, Marco, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Great perspective. Thank you. I know you and Craig could talk for hours about this. Um, we'll get. You, I want to talk about your career as well, but we have no time. But I want to get back on at some point and talk about your ambitions, life in Calgary, you know, the club mm-hmm. Canada um, against Cuba. Yada, you've had a really great career. You've been one of the names so far in the young CPL. So uh, thanks so much, mate. Good luck for everything and, and good luck on, on Friday and those, those uh, vociferous Edmonton fans. Yeah, no, thank you. I'd love to be on again. It's, it, was a, it was a lot of fun chatting with you guys. Shout out to Marco for being so honest and open with us and having some big laughs. The footy prime way, of course. We've got some big news for you on our next show, which hits your podcast feed Wednesday night, Thursday morning. We're taking footy prime to the next level and Nottingham Forest in Canada's right back, Richie Larea is going to join us to celebrate. We're excited about our future. We're excited about Primers being with us. So get on the Footy Prime train. We accept all comers. Have a great day, y'all. Bye now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.